Hey guys, welcome back to The Groove Lab. I'm your host, Lauren Alexander. This week, I sat down with singer-songwriter Heather Little to talk about how she got her start in music. Some of her biggest hits include Me and Charlie Talkin' and Gunpowder and Lead, which you probably know from Miranda Lambert. But she's got an album out right now called Wings Like These, which is filled with some of the most beautifully written songs I've ever heard. And her vocals are just... You just got to listen. It's it's beautiful, and I'm so glad she took the time to sit down and talk with me. Let's jump right in. It's working. This is neat. So <laughs> thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me of course <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous to do your interview just because I'm such a huge fan dude I'm a huge fan <laughs> I'm can I tell you I have to tell you um a few years ago I went over to Rosewood and um he was like I hadn't I hadn't met you to didn't know you at all I knew your name and then Drew Hall that is over there he was like I have to play you something and it was hit and run. And I was like, dude, really? <laughs> and all. Oh, so. That's so funny. Yeah. I've been a fan of yours ever since. Well, thank you. That's actually how I, um, <laughs> uh, same thing happened to me. Like I had heard your name before, but Drew played me like, a, I think it was a demo of like Gunpowder and Lead. And I, I knew the song <laughs> from Miranda singing it. And I was like, oh my God. This is insane. This is so good. <laughs> so anyway, I've been a fan ever since then. Well, thanks. Good old Drew Hall, man. I know. Connecting people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's just start off with how did you get started? Have you always been a songwriter? I have always made up songs, like always. And um, I just, it was just making up songs since I was like really little and just making up dumb songs. And then I was like nine and I made up what is actually is still a really dumb song, but it was <laughs> probably less dumb than a lot of what you hear on like popular, like mainstream music right, right. now. Like some of the lyrics are like, wow, just... <laughs> Pretty sure, pretty sure all of my classmates when I was in grade could maybe have, you know, been a little more clever. I don't know. Yeah. But um, I'm jaded. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I made up a song and um, I was singing it with my brother, Jason, because we always sang together. And he was like, what song is that? And I said, well, it's my song. He's like, no, I mean, who sings it? You know, and I was like, well, I made it up. He's like, you did not. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. Did not. Yes, I did. You know, one of those brothers, yeah, sisters. Right, right. You know, nee, nee, nee fights. And um, I just kind of kept making up songs. And then I grew up and, you know, would play with friends and stuff. I lived in Austin. There was this group of guys I used to play with at um, a barbershop. The youngest one was 33, and so it was uh, 33 um, up to um, 
guy there's a guy named tony wilcox who's passed away now but he's an incredible songwriter and amazing uh just performer um but he's a vietnam veteran and uh so that's the kind of the kind of stuff that he would talk about he would talk about you know that time of things going on in the world and um I just kind of would sit there and be quiet and be like, gosh, I need to just shut up and listen <laughs> to these people and try to learn some stuff. And um, just there's really, really awesome players. And a guy named Steve Threadgill was in there playing around and um, just, you know, neat stuff. And it made me think, gosh, I, I would love to be able to do this, but I was only 17. So I was just kind of like, no, what do I know? And then, um, I grew up, got married, had kids, and then my mom made me enter a songwriting contest, and that's when I met Miranda, and uh, her mom actually was like, you know, people do this for a living. Like they do. <laughs> well, I guess I do that, but so that's how I, that's how I got started, like, professionally writing. That's so cool. So you, um, you met Miranda, and then... What happened after that? Like, she just thought you were incredible and. She just, um, the way that she said that she told Frank Liddell, um, who is, uh, her producer for years now, um, who is over carnival music in Nashville. She said that she told him that he was going to sign me as a writer. And, um, I always thought that was funny because, you know, Frank is real, like, he has a really open mind. So after getting to know him and, you know, for a, a little bit, I could see him being like, okay, so, <laughs> <Not sure. laughs> you know, even though, even though she and I haven't, like, I haven't talked to her in years, haven't seen her since gosh, 2011, I guess. So it's been a long yeah. time um, with, or no, 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 not 2011. Was it 2011? 2012. Anyway, a really long time. Yeah. Um, and we're not like buddies. We don't like go hang out or anything like that. The only thing we ever really did together was write music. And we've written a few songs and um, that's really it. But, you know, to I have to give her and her family credit for my actual entry into professional music because that wouldn't yeah happened otherwise I don't think that whole scene has just always seemed so confusing and out of reach how do you even get into the professional songwriting community it seems like most people have a story kind of like yours it's not something that you can really plan for just have to be in the right place at the right time yeah I mean I feel bad in a way because there's not anything that I did or worked at or like, like I didn't like go and pound the streets for 10 years. Like these incredible writers do. There's some, there are writers in Nashville that, you know, they spent their life savings, you know, they spent every penny they have just trying to make it, trying to you know, eat every day and pay the rent. And then maybe 15 years in, they finally get their first cut, you know, and, and then I roll up in Nashville, like a little jackass, <laughs> you know, 
like I, I do I feel like a total jackass you know when I think about it really did fall in my lap I did not do anything to like really really try and go out and make that stuff happen it just it was just absolute chance wow. that it that it happened the way it did I didn't even know that the first um the first song that I had cut was me and Charlie talking and I didn't even know that it was on a record until it was already recorded and she just played it for me one day she was like oh look we did this and I was like listening and then the first word started and I was like oh well, I recognize that <laughs> that came from my brain and, yeah and then <laughs> and then there was you know then they signed me to write songs and so it just kind of stumbled through you know I'm still stumbling you know <laughs> we're all stumbling <laughs> yeah 16 years later now we're just just all kind of stumbling around but um but yeah, I, it was, it's strange. So when people say, so how do I do what you're, you know, how do I make that happen? I I have nothing because I didn't make it happen. Yeah. It was just, it was a gift from the sky. That's so cool. That really is, that it really is cool. So what was it like <laughs> when you, um, you sat down and started writing with Miranda, like your first writing session? because. I've done one co-write. I did my first co-write with you, actually. And I was so intimidated. So intimidated. And oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like, I was <laughs> so nervous. I had my eight-month-old baby with me. What am I doing? I remember. <laughs> but what was it like for you, like, going to Nashville? And, like, that just seems like a huge, big, big thing. What was going through your mind? It was a really huge deal at the time. Um, and co-writing in general um, – I, when, when, um, that idea was first presented to me, I thought that's impossible. Like that's gotta be like brushing each other's teeth or <laughs> trying to, you know, put each other's socks on with one hand. Like it just sounded <laughs> like it'd be really awkward and really terrible. And, um, and, um, uh, I went to Miranda's house and tried it with her and, it just kind of worked. It felt like pretending back and forth, like like when you're little kids and you start pretending like, oh, pretend like, uh, you know, you're a dog and I'm a, you know, and I'm a kitty and, you know, this is what we're doing. And so it felt like that to an extent. And then when I finally went to Nashville and started co-writing with other people, it, um, it just, it was like, oh, I get it. And it just kind of clicked yeah. and it was it was fun. And there was a time when I really, really enjoyed it. And, um, I couldn't, it was like compulsively writing songs and I just lived to write with someone I've never even talked to before, never met. I would just be like, Oh my God, please somebody any next, next person. And I would try and book, like I had a, I'd have a co-write booked in the morning and then someone else would be like, Oh, if you want to write sometime. And I'd be like, well, okay, well, how about three o'clock? Okay. <laughs> and then it got to the point where it'd be like, well, three o'clock. Okay. Uh, we'll have two co-writes today. Do you, how about seven o'clock? And so it was just, it was kind of absurd. It might be why I got so burned out on it, but I really, there, there was a point when I really, really, really loved it. 
That's really cool. That's awesome. It's hard to imagine now. Yeah. Well, so tell me, what has this whole pandemic been like for you? Um, kind of just, <clears throat> I don't know. It's been scary, of course, because your income leaves, you mm. know, and um, so, and I already had, um, I started a part-time job at a bakery last year. So I was like, you know, this is cool. I can do this three days a week, you know, and um, it'll be fine. And then the pandemic happened and I was like, I'm really glad I have this job. And then the bakery was like, hey, sorry. So we're closing and we're laying off all of our part-time employees. And I went, perfect. This is awesome. Oh my gosh. And then they brought everybody back again um, so they could get their government uh, grant. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that, but it's just like, you know, I've had other jobs while I've, you know, over the years I've had, like I was a janitor at the school when I wrote the songs that are on my record. I was a janitor for Lindell School District. And um, I've written like six songs at the bakery just wandering around so I that might just be what I do for the rest of ever is just get a job somewhere that I don't enjoy sorry Collins Street I don't enjoy working (laughs) I appreciate it and I am glad that I have employment but I just I don't think I'll ever enjoy a job where you have to be um you have no choice but to uh stand behind a counter and smile um, (laughs) and smile um even even when people are terribly rude to people around I can just I can already feel myself getting fired sometimes (laughs) and this um because you asked about the pandemic there are things that I've witnessed out in the public that are you know I've just, I never in my life, I've never seen people behave this way. Yeah. Just blatantly, you know, like I've seen, definitely seen, um, I mean, not, not to get all political or whatever, but like I've seen, because I'm a white person from a small town, I've always my entire life been exposed to, um, uh, usually older white people. Um, feeling comfortable um, using like describing people of color with racial slurs or saying anything about someone from another country. And it's, it's always been uncomfortable and it's always been terrible, but I see it like more blatantly now, even in, you know, public strangers who don't know me, they still look at me and go, Oh, well, she's, She's a white girl. She gets it. And it's gross. It's so gross. We had, there's a, there's a girl that I work with who is, she's precious. She's the sweetest person. She would never say, she, she would never say anything or be terrible to anyone. And there was a, a customer that came in and had a, um, she accidentally had a, a Mexican peso in her hand and and the girl that I'm talking about is, I, I don't know that she is of Hispanic descent at all, but 
she's her she's darker skin and she has brown eyes and she has brown hair but um other than that i gosh so anyway it makes me so mad but um anyway this customer um noticed that she had a peso and she goes oh here you can keep that for when you go back that's what she said to this co-worker of mine and um like that's just I mean that's just blatant it's yeah. just how I don't know how people I mean maybe maybe part of it is the isolation and people being cooped up with their computer screens doing you know resorting to having to fall back on their own faculties and those are shaky for a lot of people, I think, you yeah, know, yeah. people are kind of left to their devices. And obviously, we're really terrible when we're left to our own devices. So that's, that's what this pandemic is for me. <laughs> I've seen that too, a lot, unfortunately. And I don't know if it's where we live or what, but I've heard the excuse so many times. Oh, it's just how they were raised. But I don't know. That's just not really, you don't have to be a shitty person. You don't. You don't have to. You can choose to grow and be better. You can. You know, when I was, when I was a young kid, I was maybe 12 and my grandma who, um, my grandma, she's my favorite thing. She's 90 now. But when I was, I was 12 or 13, um, she said something about a friend of hers. Um, or a girl, a girl she knew, I guess it was a younger girl. This girl at the time was in her twenties, and um, well, and she married a black boy, and she would say, black, wouldn't even say man. She said black. She married a black boy, and she just shook her head, and I was like, oh, is he, is he mean to her, or like I didn't understand, right, and. I also didn't understand why she married a boy. I was like, is he too young or, you <laughs> What's know, the issue here? <laughs> I didn't understand. Right. I didn't understand the connotation of what she said. And then she said, well, we just, I just, I just don't think it's right. And there, that's the only conversation we had about that. Um, but she said, I, I just don't think it, I just don't think it's right. And um, just that's, uh, she didn't word it like, like that's not how I was raised, but she said something to the effect of we're not, that's not, you know, what, what I was taught or that's, or you just didn't do that or something like that. Well, years later, her thinking on that changed and she actually would say, she would say, well, there's this, um, there was this black boy man there's a black man so it was like she was able to realize even in her 70s she was able to realize you know I'm in my mind this is a this person is lesser than me and my words indicate that and my words matter because my words say how I value this other human and I mean, I think I've, if my grandma can rise above her raisin, then 
anyone can, if an 80 something year old woman can say, you know, and it, and it's the same thing with, um, like accepting, accepting gay people. My brother is gay. And when he first came out, my grandma just, she kind of lost her mind and she didn't know what to do. And she panicked and it was really awful and terrible. And then, um, my brother, the, the man who ended up being my brother's partner for 20 years, she adores. Yeah. Absolutely adores. And so if my grandma can, um, evolve, you know, I think anybody can. Yeah. That's amazing. It's so weird to think that any of this is even an issue and it's, it really is heartbreaking. So I'm not really sure how to transition <laughs> from that back to our interview. Yeah, I didn't want to, like, I didn't anticipate going there, but it is. No, I mean, I think, I think it can be kind of uncomfortable to talk about, but I think it does need to be talked about and I'm glad we did talk about it because uh, there are a lot of things happening that are not okay. Um, but I, I did hear, I heard a story um, about when, when you were a janitor for the school in Lindale and you heard someone's ringtone. Oh, yeah. I had worked at the high school for maybe, I don't know. It was maybe a week. And um, I was in the bathroom cleaning the toilets in the bathroom and it was during class so there's no students in there or anything but a teacher comes into the bathroom and her phone rings and her ringtone is gunpowder and lead and so if if you think that getting a song on the charts um is you know you're gonna be set for life you ain't <laughs> Did that feel like a sign from the universe or God? Like, hey, you're good. Look at this. You might be scrubbing toilets, but I see you. It almost was like, it was almost like, well, wrong. (laughs) I mean, because, you know, I'm already like sweeping the hall and there's like Miranda, there's Miranda pictures all over the high school, you know, because there's like, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, there's, there's Miranda stuff everywhere. There's a billboard outside the bakery where I work. Like I literally park my car under the billboard with her picture on it every day. Oh so God. it's like, there's, con- <laughs> there's just little constant reminders of like, Hey, you know, there's, there's, there is no golden ticket. If there is, you don't have it. The person <laughs> that parks their car next to your car doesn't have it. And then the guy that's coming in, you know, you know, talking to, just being hateful and terrible, he doesn't have it because then maybe, I don't know, maybe he wouldn't be so hateful and terrible. And then that just, you know, it's little reminders that the golden ticket isn't necessarily made out of gold. You know, it's made out of yeah. your nine month old kid in the, in the little playpen when you're, when you're writing a song and you're kind of freaked out and, you know, all weirded because you know, this is weird. Why are we like, we're writing a song together. <laughs> do that. I think that's the stuff that golden ticket is and gets your kids and the stuff yeah. that matters a lot. I agree. I agree. I talked, um, on the first episode I did uh, with, um, a guy named Justin cash. I don't know. Have you met him? Justin cash played on my record. Yeah. Okay. Is he not he is like the fantastic. most incredible? It's like a therapy session. Anytime you talk to him. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I met him because he, um, Greg Hunt brought him into play on my record. And I could see when I met him that he and Greg were a lot alike in that when, when they talk to you, like everything, all the business stuff is secondary. Like all the music stuff is secondary. Yeah. Very, very so, family um, oriented. Yeah. And very much like, how are you? How are your kids? Are you doing okay? Do you need yeah. anything? Can I help with anything? Yeah. You know, and um, it's not a I surface thing. No, they really not mean. at all. Yeah, <clears throat> not at all. No, Justin is he's wonderful. Yeah, he really is. Um, he w- he was talking about how maybe success doesn't come from what we're all like the lie that we're all fed or the story that we're all fed of like big stages and being on the road every night. Like maybe this is what it's made of is as your family and I. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Although, I mean, making a bunch of money and getting to do that does sound really nice. But it would, sure help, it? It would really help. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any um, advice for songwriters? Maybe hmm. how to write. You're so good at melodies. I, I don't understand so how your brain works with that. Um, but you're so good at that. Do you have any advice for for anyone that might be listening? Well, thank you so much, first of all. That was really sweet. Um, I don't know. I've, if you feel stuck, um, just try to go, like, find the place you would go and then find the opposite of that. So I have to do that if I feel myself going to the same place a lot. Um, and I still go to the same place and then I find out it's because I like it and because it, it feels good. It feels natural in my voice to sing in a certain place. But when I feel myself getting tired of it, I go, gosh, what is the like way far opposite of this that I could, you know, almost uncomfortable, like find something uncomfortable and then try it out a few times and see if it gets comfortable, you know, or see if, or see if you like it. Not if it gets comfortable, because you could get comfortable with anything that's not necessarily the best thing for you. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, just stick your toes in water. You wouldn't necessarily put your toes in. That's good advice. That's really good. <laughs> So, <clears throat> do you have any um, any plans for the future? I know everything's kind of weird wow. right now, but yeah, you know, um, part of my quarantine experience is realizing, um, gosh, if the only plans that I really have, like, it's been really, really hard for me to plan past getting my kids, um through school, like through high school, because that's always been um, like something I don't feel like I can put down and, you know, go do something else. I always feel like, no, I just, I have to focus on this. I have to be present and everything else is secondary. And now, you know, my son's a junior this year and um, 
know I'm going to be writing music. I know um, I'm going to be uh, recording music somehow, you know, even if it's on a making a work tape on my phone or something. I know I'm going to be doing that. But um, if it's not fulfilling and it's crushing my soul, I want I want to do something that matters. Yeah. And so um honestly I'm just I'm looking at I'm I'm being kind of introspective and just trying to find what really matters and how do I want to be spending my time and um how can I still be present for my kids but not completely just ditch myself. Yeah. So that's hard. That's it hard as hard. a mother. It is hard. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I know like I, uh, you're going to, you're going to be there too, you know, cause that's like this creature that was, this creature was my idea. Like you, like I loved you before you ever, ever even in existence in any way. And now you are. And I have to, like, I owe you the world. Yeah. And so it's really hard to find balance in that. But, I mean, you have to because you can't disappear. You can't dissolve as an individual. So I guess my plan is just um, try to make records and put music out and um, find um, find a way to promote that and keep it going that is not um conducive to complete mental breakdown (laughs) well that sounds like a good plan yeah (laughs) are you are you playing live much right now not very not very much I sang backgrounds last night for Wesley Pruitt band at Moore store Mm -hmm. and it was uh it was different kind of I mean it was half was half the capacity. Um, most people not social distancing, really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, and I have people I love dearly that I don't want to get sick in any way, you know, like that I, you know, just normally like pre-corona yeah. uh, would not want to do anything to jeopardize their health and now it's just a little extra scary so yeah it just know. makes you think about it a little more makes me think yeah a lot and I find <laughs> I learned last night that I'm holding my breath if somebody just grabs me and hugs me like I've I've been holding my breath and it's just it probably looks really weird <laughs> you know? uh, just trying to keep but, keep the germs out yeah That's because so funny. You know, Everyone just, there's some people that are, that just don't, you know, don't care at all. But then there, there are people, um, who, um, I know that they've had health struggles and they are trying to be really careful. And there were a few people there last night who, um, made it a point to keep their distance, you know, and they're like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just really, really trying to be careful. And I appreciate that. And understand, understand that struggle, but um, the uh, gigs are weird. Yeah. You know, gigs are weird, and um, 
it's a strange balance between going, yay, I have a gig and oh no. Yeah. I feel that so hard. People, these people are going to come here to this gig and some of them are going to not care. And some of them are going to be careful. And some of them are going to think they're being careful, but actually be really bad at being careful. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. It's weird times. Yeah. Just yeah. weird times, but no, not playing much at all. I've done a couple of um, Facebook live things and that's uh that it. Does that feel weird for you to do the Facebook Live? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't Very really weird. See anyone? Yep. Can't see anyone. And um when they make comments, the comments go by so fast that I don't see them, especially if it's while I'm playing a song. And then if I do try and take a peek, I lose my playing the song mojo. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm playing now or, you know, I forget the words or, um, you know, it's just a, it's just a strange world now. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, are you, how much are you playing now? None. We played a show, Uh, um, out at the forge a month or two ago, but it was just hard, like to find someone to watch roads and, it just, it wasn't worth the stress. As much as I miss it, it just was, it was really hard on me because I was worried about him the whole time. He was with my dad. And I was just like, oh God, he's so far. He's a whole hour away. He's so tiny. <laughs> yeah. He's so, so tiny. Yeah. I understand that. So it's, it's weird, but I do, I miss playing and I miss the income for sure. And just being around people. I'm like kind of a homebody. So. Mm. playing gigs was like my one time to like talk to other adults you know <laughs> yeah no time no right. I completely get that because I'm a I'm normally you know if playing gigs was my you know that was my oh I'm being crazy and being out late <laughs> right. and I'm not playing a gig I'm like who it is nine o'clock where's my pillow my <laughs> You know, I'm going to, you know, binge watch some, you know, something horrible like serial killer interviews and drink too much wine and probably maybe (laughs) would be my wildest night all by myself (laughs) at home. And so, um, yeah, so I get that. I get that. It's a weird, it's a weird balance between complete isolation, um, and going, I kind of want to see people. (laughs) Right. I might see a person at the grocery store, but I don't want to see him real close. Yeah. And that's hard too here because <laughs> everyone wants to hug you. Like that's just how we say hello, you know? Yeah. And so that is hard. And then you see people at the grocery store with their mask, like under their nose, like, or like falling off their chin. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I saw a guy at Walmart. He had one of the blue like medical ones on and he pulled his mask down and he goes, like he rubbed oh his God, nose no. like that. And then he went, I do, and sneezed and then put his mask back on. <laughs> like I decided I want that dude to wear a mask for the rest of his All life. All the time. Always. Good try, but Ever. no. Yeah. I would like <laughs> that particular person to have mittens and a face shield that actually cut like a, like an astronaut helmet. 
Oh yeah. So that he just can't so that his little mittens will hit the glass of his helmet and be like, Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I, can't, I can't rub snot all over my whole face that's and so the frozen gross. food section. Oh, that's so gross. Really gross. Uh, <laughs> man. Uh, People come on. No doubt. Well, okay. So where, um, you're on Spotify. I know. Where can yep. people find you and keep up with you? Um, Facebook. Facebook. I guess for now, unless I delete it because everybody's being so hateful to each other. Um, but YouTube um, is where it's lately is my go-to for just putting music up. So You are doing that a lot. Just little. Yeah, I just realized, I realized the other day it had been a while since I'd put something up. So I, I wrote a song at the bakery and then I just, I was like, I'm just going to make it recording and not try to play well or anything I'm not a guitar player at all and so there's like sometimes where I I watched the video back and I was like whatever I'm not gonna try to record this 11 times I'm just gonna put it up there that's so, there's- so cool I listened to that it sounded amazing <laughs> did you <laughs> I did yeah I actually shared it on Facebook but um yeah oh, it's, you did. it's that's right you you're did. so I can't believe you didn't I always stress uh, about stuff like that like posting videos of songs so that's cool you I just like recorded it and you were like whatever it's fine I would well you know I try to make myself do things that you know because I have a tendency to be really OCD and um I'm better about it than I was when I was younger <laughs> but um like I don't have there's a crooked post-it right now on my computer it's horrible but I don't have to fix it and I used to have to fix it you just really really want to so, I want to that now, especially that I've said it out loud it's here I've centered my phone fix on this it. you can fix it here. but um I'm just gonna fix it now. but um uh yeah so I just I'm trying to make myself do things that are a little bit out of my comfort zone and um I just think of it like if someone came to see me play somewhere um, they're going to record stuff and they might post something on Facebook and I don't get to, you know, Mariah carry them about it and be like, um, let me see that before you post it. <laughs> Did you get no. a good angle? Yeah. Oh, that's not, that's not my good side. That's too bad. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. You know what? I played a wrong chord there. So can so you just, no. yeah, so funny. it is tough to try not to suck. I'm <laughs> Well, you don't. I've never heard you. <laughs> I've never heard you sing a bad note. So. Oh man. <laughs> oh, it's it's it happens for sure. <laughs> well, for sure. is there anything else um, you'd want to talk about? Oh, I do have one other thing. I I think I told you this when we did our co-write, but um, your your album Wings Like These. Like these. Mm-hmm. I was actually listening to that when I found out I was pregnant with Rhodes. And so I, Uh, I don't have a CD player anymore, but I, um, I, I kept your CD in his little baby box just because it just reminds me of that um, time. Wow. That's funny. That's funny how you remember things like that. I I remember hearing, um, I was listening to Susan Tedeschi a lot when I learned I was pregnant the first time and yeah. So it is weird how you hold on to that. That's crazy. Cause not yeah. like but none of those so... songs are like baby songs. It's not like, oh, you're singing about my son. It's just like, just that feeling. 
Yeah. So. Well, that that makes my heart like so heart happy. Oh, good. <laughs> having having babies is such a happy thing. It so. is. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> is there anything else you'd want to talk about? Um. Gosh. No, because then I would just start interviewing you, and that would be awkward. Maybe <laughs> turn the tables. That would be awkward. <laughs> like so, so right. So you. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it was so good talking to you. It was good talking to you. And now I'm now I know how to do the Zoom thing. I think I know. Yay! <laughs> it's kind of fun, right? It's fun. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you again. Thank you. Have a great school day. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye. Thank y'all so much for listening. Please be sure to check out Heather's album, Wings Like These, on Spotify. And keep up with her on Facebook at Heather Little Music. I'll talk to you all next week. Stay groovy.